to face, hand to hand, film to film. Welcome to the one and only Film to Film, the best podcast in the planet. My name is Inyak Lanyaran, here with my good friend James Shergan. Hey, how was your week this time, James? Uh, it's going all right. We I watched uh, some Italian horror, and uh, I enjoy Italian horror, so um, I was excited to do these weeks. But it's actually not me hosting the Italian movie this week. It is uh, it's you. I know, I know. Um, you know, it's October for the ones li- for the one person listening. It's October. And um, eight people listening. Oh, that's yeah. right. That's right. Uh, and the tree leaves are changing. So I thought, hey, why not get cozy and start watching horror movies? And since we've been on this whole uh, Italian roller coaster, I remember you and I watched uh, Suspiria a long time ago, I think 2010. Yeah, I believe so. Uh, in the Odegaard, 2009 or 2010, in the, uh, in the library, right? Or did we watch it somewhere else? I think we watched that at your house. Oh, at my house. At your parents' house. Okay, my parents' house, yes. <laughs> I still do not have a house uh, 10 years later for for the 10 listeners out there. It's all right. It's uh it's 2020. Uh there are worse things than not having a house right now. This is true. Um, this is true. But yeah, so since we've been watching Italian movies, I thought, "Hey, why not Suspiria?" Especially since it was a remake uh in 2018, I thought hey, we could do both. Why not? Why could go wrong? <laughs> <laughs> So, James, you get to watch both of them? I did. Um, and I had actually seen both this year already. So these are uh, second. Uh, this is my second watch of both of these in 2020. Um, but I oh. actually reversed the order in which I saw them this time. So I actually watched the, um, the uh, 2018 Luca Gattaguino, uh, or however you say his name, uh, one first. And then I watched uh, the 1977 classic uh, just today. Oh, I didn't know you had seen uh, the remake already. I saw it not so long ago, just a couple months ago, or maybe even a month. Okay. Yeah. All right, all right. Yeah, I've been wanting to watch this for a while, so I thought this was a good opportunity to do it. Um, so, well, like most remakes, you know, the overarching plot is very similar. So I just decided to do one sentence summary for both of them in one go. You let me know if it's accurate. So here we go. In the 1970s, Susie Banyan moves to Berlin to join a prestigious dance dance academy where she uncovers or where we uncover that the place is run by witches. I am guessing this is from the 2018 version, is it not? Be- both. What? Both? Because oh. she's not in Berlin in the original. She's in Freiburg. Oh, which shit. Which is in southern Germany. Uh, okay. So. Aha. That was my yeah. miss. Well, okay, she had done Germany. Actually, Susie Banyan was in uh, Freiburg, Germany. Yeah. And actually, you said Susie with a Z when in the other one is with an S. Oh, correct. Yeah, there you go. Okay. Well, I did watch the 77 one most recently. So it's... Uh, Susie with a Z in that one, right? Correct. Okay, there you go. <laughs> Actually, <laughs> um, uh, so I mean, let's start with the with the short. Like, what do you? So we're gonna start with the first one. 
So, James, what, what do you think of the 1977 Suspiria? You know, uh, we watched this film together, as we were just talking about for the first time. And I have now seen this film, I think, four times. And I would say the first two times I watched it, I was not terribly into Italian films. And I sort of got the appeal, sort of didn't. Uh, and to be honest, as like a narrative piece of film, it left me a bit cold. It's a little hard to, uh, for me to just uh, really just get into it. Uh, some of the dubbing, uh, the acting, uh, just is a little, um, takes a little adjustment to get used to. Um, and you were predicting it uh, right before we hit record that I might have a stronger appreciation of it now after having gone through a lot of Italian films, seen a lot of dubbed films, um, especially in the last couple of years. And you are 100% correct. Um, yeah, so um, the last two times I've watched the, the, this film, Suspiria 1977, uh, the Argento version. I have really, really enjoyed it. Um, I think this last time, uh, just watching a really good quality print, uh, I think uh, I, I can really um, get on uh, get on the level. And, and I don't know, I, I have a bunch of different thoughts, but one thing that differentiates it from uh, the other Italian films that we've been watching um, is I was talking about Poliziotesky last uh, couple of weeks ago. And those films, you know, they, they do what they're going to do and they don't necessarily have great ambition. I feel like this film, especially in some of its like cinematography aspects, its set design, it it really is uh, going for it. It's going hard in the paint, just trying to be really, really good. So I could say that uh, for me, that stuff really, really works now. And I think it'll probably be, uh, probably, uh, I mean, a film I, I enjoy for uh, uh, probably the rest, of, uh, the rest of the times I watch it. Oh, I bet. I, I mean, when it comes to the cinematography picture in general, the the frame structure. I mean, the mo the movie's beautiful. It's definitely a piece of art. Um, that's one thing that yes, when comparing to the Politeskis, where those movies were sort of commercially made and very quick blockbuster, as they call them, this you can tell that the director really cared about the framing, really cared about the design. Lots of shapes. Yes. Lots of angular shapes. Uh, so I I agree with you. I, I, I enjoy this movie. Uh, in the second watch, I actually definitely had more appreciation than the first time I saw it. Again, big part has to do with getting used to the dubbing. Uh, and after all, so many politeskis, uh, you know, you, you are able to move past it. And I mean, and, and the Italian movies are very good to begin with, uh, with the dubbing. However, still... Yeah. One uh, one gets to appreciate more uh, of the of the director's choices and styles about it. So, uh, speaking about the the movie, uh, the nineteen seventy seven movie, the original one, uh, the director is Dario Argento, as you mentioned. Um, he is very well known as a horror genre uh, director in Italy. Uh, I think we're going to be watching other ones from you in the future. But like yeah, I think suggested so. by you. Yeah. Uh, he, I mean, he basically is dead center on the giallo genre. If I'm not mistaken. Right. Uh, and this would not be considered a giallo film. This would be a supernatural one. But he is definitely very well known for his giallo um, horror films or giallo Cor thriller horror. Right. Films, right. Right. Correct. Uh, and I mean, in general, I mean, especially with this movie, he has inspired many American directors. Uh, 
I mean, uh, including, uh, I've read, I read at least in a, in a post by Bloody and Disgusting, uh, John Carpenter, I think, credited the movie uh, as one of his inspirations. Um, he also, I mean, he's, be, besides, uh, Suspiria is probably his most fam famous movie. Uh, this is one out of a trilogy that he made, which is Suspiria, Inferno, and Mother of Tears. Um, <laughs> we don't, we don't talk about Mother of Tears. I, I've, I've read enough about it to know that Mother of Tears is, uh, the weaker one out of those three. It never happened. We don't talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> um, however, Suspiria itself, uh, even though it's part of a trilogy, you can tell that Suspiria, when it was directed, it was not intended to be a trilogy yet, or there's no reference to it. Yeah, in it. yeah, you're, you're you're right. Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, the mythology is more fully explored definitely in the remake, but also uh, if you're interested in more of the Argento version, uh, Inferno and uh, the film that never happened, Mother of Tears, which I have actually seen, uh, do uh, explore uh, that mythology a lot more um, thoroughly. Mm -hmm. Right, right. Um, the other movie that this director is very well known for is. Uh, Deep Red. Yep. Um, I think you probably have seen it. I've yet to see it, uh, but I hear it's a very, very good movie. Well, let me tell you something. We will watch that at some point. Uh, that's probably my favorite Argento film, even above this film. So uh, there you go. Uh, right. Uh, so I'm mean, very excited for that. The movie screenwriter is Argento and also Daria Ni uh, Nicolodi, yep. uh, who, was, who wanted to be in the movie, but got injured, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I actually don't know the full story uh, behind her, but yeah, she's the female lead of uh, Deep Red, which was Argento's mm -hmm. previous film from 75, and she uh, is basically his romantic partner um, for, I think, a little over a decade from 75 till the mid-80s, so she's in a bunch of his films, uh, but yeah, that's interesting. I didn't know, actually, why she was not in the film because she did help to write it um, and come up with the material here, and she's actually credited for it, too. Uh, so right, right. I think that's uh, cool, and that's interesting, um, and it's too bad she couldn't appear. Yeah. Maybe she got right. injured and could only write and could only be creative that way. I don't know. That's true. Maybe. Um, and, then, and then, well, the music score by the Goblins, I know we're going to be talking about the music at some moment. And then, finally... I want to go over the rating in Rotten Tomatoes, and this is just for fun because I'll do it for the next for the other one too. So this movie's rated ninety three percent in Rotten Tomato. What do you think of that? Well, Rotten Tomatoes. I don't have a super high opinion of Rotten Tomatoes, first of all. Uh, but honestly, I think if this movie were to come out today, I think it'd have a lower rating on Rotten Tomatoes. I think uh, this is a sort of film that's going for it. And it's not going to work on everybody, um, and I think that tends to not be rewarded on Rotten Tomatoes, um, whereas a film that maybe plays it a little safer will be. Um, but mm -hmm. uh, I, but I think this is a film that's going to elicit a lot of love reactions as well. So you're not going to have there's not going to be as many uh, sort of like moderate milk toast, uh, sort of in the middle, um, like six or sevens for this. There's going to be a lot of tens, and there's going to be a couple ones, twos, and threes. 
Yeah, I completely agree. And and actually, I will get into this much later when uh, talking about the, the other movie, because I think that there is some sort of... Uh, I mean, it comes with the old movies in general. The rating and cult classic, uh, the, of cult classics tend to be um, inflated. And the rating on in horror movies in general tend to be low. Yes, yes. So, I completely agree. So, well, so... Now talking about the movie itself, um, as we mentioned, this movie about uh, about a school run by witches. Although the movie itself, it's it's almost a mystery, right? It begins the movie begins with uh, Susie coming in, weird shit happening happens. Uh, she cannot get into the school, and we don't really know why. And then we we see the first murder. And I think I'm going through mur the murder scenes. I think it's a good way of uh, talking about this movie because they're all very memorable. So, what do you think about the first murder? Would you say that was an overkill? <laughs> well, yes, it is definitely an overkill. Um, the first 15 minutes in general is just top notch. I mean, like even just like going through the airport and going to the taxi where basically nothing happens. It's just like uh -huh. super stylized in a way that just like grips you. And this, this film right. is just going 100 miles per hour, like almost the entire time. I mean, maybe they'll, they'll go into a brief like exposition where they're talking about like uh, uh, covenants of witches and stuff like that, where, you know, you can take it or leave it. But uh, there's not a lot of breaks in this film. This just starts uh, with like the super visceral opening of like... Um, of uh, 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 the plane landing and her grabbing a taxi and crazy weather. And then uh, it sort of just transitions to that first murder scene, which uh, basically is killed by a uh, floating body of, of with, which mm -hmm. has extremely hairy arms, as far as I can tell. Right. Um, and- uh, Oh, I thought it was an average Italian man. Okay, all right, so uh, average Italian <laughs> very hairiness. Very Mediterranean person. <laughs> <laughs> so not, not a German. No, I don't think okay. so. The person was, was way too hairy. hairy. <laughs> you know, uh, one funny thing is, uh, and I don't know if it's him in this, is Argento is known for having his hands be the, the murdering hands in a lot of oh, his really? films. I don't know if those are, are Harry Dar Dario Argento's arms or not uh but it wouldn't be surprising if it was because we do know they show up at some place in this film um i mean the bright eyes are definitely his though right i i don't know <laughs> you know the, oh, the eyes that you're not even sure what they are yeah um so i mean actually i, I like how you were talking about the airport itself and I, maybe i should have started with that um what I liked about about uh this movie and, the, and uh, stylistically how it was edited was how where she was going, danger was gonna happen. Like as soon as she's coming out, of, uh, as soon as she's like walking out of the airport, when she's looking at the door, the exit door, you have the theme song, and then the theme song by by the goblins, which is creepy. But then when the camera points at her, no song, All, almost basically telling the audience she's going to a bad place. <laughs> she's, and and then the rain the constant that really heavy rain it makes it very uh, uh along with the music i do think that it does it builds that uh a 
it gives you a very good expectation of what you're gonna get. You're gonna get a, a creepy movie. Um, and I would say I, I do disagree with you about that the movie is, is going at a hundred percent the entire time. I think between the first kill and the second kill, there's a lot of low, t like, there's a low, a lot of, uh, not quiet moments because the music is on your, on your face, like the entire time, but there's actually not much happening. Okay. I, that's fair. That's fair. All right. I'll just say that, uh, the music, uh, the combination of the unsettling parts and just when it is moving, it feels like there's not mm -hmm. much, um, we'll talk about the next one later, uh, but I feel like there's just very, very little fat on, on this one. It's, it, it just goes start to finish, lots of thrills, couple breaks, I guess, in the middle, gr grabs a glass of water, but it's, um, it's hard to even grab a right. dull moment in this film. Although the dull, dull moments in this film, like the expositional scenes, are dull. Yes. And, and, and there's very little to, to them to are, are dull and almost out of place. And, and this movie does have that. Um, yeah. It's hard to say if they're flaws or not, because you almost need that just to, to take a breath and to just sort of recover and think about what you just saw. I, I agree with you, although, and I guess this is my first, my, my main gripe with this movie is that uh, because the music is there a hundred percent, as you mentioned, as we both, both kind of acknowledge, if you get tired, which you will, the dull moments are almost like, yeah, I'm going to go and grab some water. And we have, there's a whole part where they're doing the, exp the entire exposition of the plot where she meets with the professor that I straight up went to get a cup of water. Oh, I did too. Like, I, I'm on the exact same page. I was like, well, I also knew what they were going to say. So I, 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 I didn't have an issue just grabbing a cup of water. Well, and personally, I didn't care either. Yeah. And, and, and I, I think that's, uh, if you will, I mean, you could say that's the strength of the plot for this movie or a weakness, which is. The plot doesn't matter that much. No. It's really about the, the, the thrill, the ride, the imagery, and the music. Yes. Yes. I agree. 100%. Yeah. I mean, the the, the plot, it, it just doesn't matter that much. I mean, you could say the same thing about some of the acting, which ne isn't necessarily very good in this film. Right. Right. No, that's true. But anyways, so the first... I'm going to go into the first kill because th these are the most memorable parts for one, me. One, one thing I just wanted to touch on uh, before the first kill uh, real fast mm -hmm. is uh, one of the themes I feel like throughout this film is just sort of like uh, Susie Banyan in this for foreign place. And I feel like even mm -hmm. just like the cab ride really is helpful to establishing that just like sort of her interactions with the cab driver who just clearly doesn't want to put up with the tourist and stuff like that it really creates this feeling of like otherness and how she's an outsider and uh she's just sort of exploring this mystery and we i mean we get to know a couple other characters but really it's it's her, through her lens we view it and uh it really creates this view where she is not um of the same she doesn't speak the same language as a lot of the characters and she's uh just different anyways Onto mm -hmm. the first kill. No, actually, actually, I like that point, so I'm going to jump onto it. Okay. And then we're going we're gonna to go on to uh, kills. Uh, because I, I actually, and, and I was going to talk about that a little bit later, but since we brought it up, 
I agree with you. I think this movie, and, and this actually will be a contrast to the other movie, she is an outsider. On the entire movie, be, be, besides Sarah, everyone else makes her, makes her feel like an outsider. The cab, the cab driver, he doesn't want to talk to her. He doesn't really care. Uh, once she's in the, in the school, everything is very transactional. Uh, uh, I mean, uh, you have Olga who, you know, she stays at her place, but Olga is kind of, she's kind of a jerk. Uh, uh, you, the, all the other girls are, they're all kind of talking behind her. No one is really talking to her. Right. And the only people who are friendly with her are, I would say it's Sarah and Mark. Um, yeah. And we, and, and that's it. Yeah. I mean, and just uh, to talk to, to some of your points too, it's like, there's like in the background of this, the sound design, there's just this constant chatter of people that feel like they're talking uh, uh, behind her, both teachers and students. So it's people that are, I mean, we're going to spoil the crap out of this movie, both of these movies, by the way. But I mean, it's people that are involved in the conspiracy and people within the covenant of witches, but it's also just normal characters such as the cab driver or some of the other students who presumably are not um, are not witches, although I guess we don't know for sure. Right. But uh, my assumption is that they are not witches. Um, yeah, no, my assumption is that they're not witches either. I, I think they're they're all just uh, yeah, they're just just a very very aloof, right. or very like uh, standoffish in general. Yeah. Uh, um, and yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, just like the whispering and even the soundtrack by uh, Goblin. Of uh, which is not a subtle sub soundtrack at all, uh, but it's just a, a lot of whispering and stuff like that too. I mean, just whisk and then going witch, witch, uh, yeah, right. yeah, yeah. So uh, um, yeah, it, it just creates that overall atmosphere. And this film, oh man, th does it have a hell of an atmosphere? Uh, if nothing else, and, no, definitely. And you know, you definitely feel in a way alone with uh, Susie, which is probably one of the, uh, the strengths in this movie, is, um, I don't know, I don't think the acting or dubbing was great. However, because of the atmosphere, you feel alone, you feel like a foreigner with her in this German land. Uh, granted, out of the German part, it could be in any country. <laughs> This is one of those movies where it's set in Germany, but it could literally have been in Russia or whatever. Uh, I, I don't think in this one you feel that much the Germanic thing. And that's right. I, something I'm, I'm putting in place for the, the, later. Yeah. I mean, I guess the, the probably the most German scene is uh, when the uh, blind guy goes, after he gets fired, uh, goes to like a pub in like that, that one bar. Um, yeah, it, where where they they're doing like a stereotypical German right. dance, which was another water break for me personally. Um, <laughs> before we uh, see the action there, uh, but uh, yeah, I, I mean you're right; it could be. And I've actually seen people mistakenly say this film's in Rome, which it is certainly not. Um, and you know, I mean, I don't know if you are an expert in the differences of uh, northern or central or northern Italian versus Germanic architecture. I certainly am not. <laughs> So to me, it's like the architecture just looks very European. Um, so for me, that would not be able to help me distinguish between um, uh, Freiburg slash Berlin and uh, uh, 
uh, like northern Italy someplace. Right. No, I mean, that's a very good point, especially because uh, so the out of the buildings that we see, I mean, you, you got the academy and that just feels like an old school house, like a giant mansion. Yeah. And then uh, you got that modern hotel, which again, that's on the first scale. We'll talk about that in a second. Keep on, we keep on tabling it. But uh, that just looks like a modern-ish building. And then the most, you could say, memorable bu buildings where you would be like, oh, this is in Europe. They're just very uh, neoclassical architecture. So I think it could definitely be in Rome. Hell, that could be in Washington, D.C. for all I care. You know, like, uh, it, it, it makes it difficult to know where it is. And, um, right. And yeah, uh, it's, you know, uh, but again, it, regardless of all of that, this American does feel like a foreigner and is treated as a foreigner, uh, not as a foreigner, a foreigner, but as an outsider by, by everyone there. Uh, maybe except for the people I talked about. Oh, and that random professor in the expositional scene. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, jumping onto the first kill. Here we go. Here we go. I mean, we kind of already gave you the opening. Taxi cab, feeling like an outsider, creepy music. Random girl, blonde girl, runs out of the building and runs through the woods randomly for some reason. She's just running through the woods and ends up at, at, a, at a building, an apartment building with a friend. And she's just like, I can't talk about anything. And then we get the hairy hand and the weird eyes. Now, from the moment you are at that, at that apartment building, which I actually thought it was a hotel at first, the colors and the, and the uh, geographic figures in the building itself are already just amazing. Yeah. I mean, it's stunning. I mean, even that elevator, the way it has like the one, two, three, four, it's just like the set uh -huh. design in this, this film is like a hundred out of a hundred. No question. It's right. just like what they chose. It's like, it's just like everything pops. And you know, one thing that I think may have also made a difference, probably not the number one difference between my current watch, uh, uh more recently and our initial watch in 2010, it's just technology has gotten better. Uh, watching this on a home entertainment system, I think it just is going to look a lot, a hell of a lot better than it did in 2009, 2010, when we were watching mm -hmm. probably like it in 360, 480p with like a DVD or something like that. So uh, right. I think uh, technology, uh, and I, th I think uh, a film like this, Polizio Teskis, it's kind of whatever. Uh, that That's nice to see it in better quality, not required. This film, I feel like it does take it up to another notch. Um, this is a film that really, and even uh, even just audio systems as well, just the way that the soundtrack blares. The right way to listen to this film is uh, is with uh, no glare and with the uh, audio cranked way up. Maybe, although <laughs> if you go from those quiet moments where they're at, where everyone is whispering and then the music goes balls to the walls, yeah. uh, you might end up deaf or break your TV's uh, speakers. Tell me, is that not worth it? Mm. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right, fair enough. <laughs> well, you, you want to listen to this sufficiently loud. I'll put it that way. You, oh, you yes, don't wanna, 100%. Yeah. You, you want to hear the... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> loud enough. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so you have all these bright colors. You have this beautiful scenery. And then you have the kill, 
On the kill itself is violent, is harsh, and it's red. <laughs> so red. Uh, I mean, uh, she gets stabbed several times. They cut her open. They get, you know, you, you, uh, you know, he stabs directly into the heart and you get to see it as everything is bleeding, uh, very red blood. Like, basically, it's like hyper-realism, if you will, or not hyper-realism, but almost realist, like how right. red it yeah. is. And then, I don't even know, I mean, when it comes to continuity, I don't care, but somehow she ends up being tossed from that room into a skylight of that building, breaking the glass and then being hung when she was already dead. I mean, she was stabbed in the heart, literally, like you see that, and then she's hung, <laughs> which maybe on purpose, maybe not on purpose, makes her friend die. <laughs> <laughs> what might say the, it's overkill? By the debris, yes, uh, <laughs> of the skylight. Uh, this, I mean, that first kill basically tells you this movie will shock you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it wakes you up, it gets you into the movie, it really, it really makes you, like, it really tells you, like, okay, this is, this is gonna be, uh, this is gonna be the tone. Like, when there's a kill, it's gonna be this way. Yeah, I mean, th that is an example, I think you would agree with this, where they do crank up that speed limit to, to the facts. They're going, they're flooring that gas pedal. Yeah, 100%. And, uh... And then, but but then from and it it also allows it to slow down. So as I mentioned before, after that happens, you go back to Susie going into the school. She goes to class. She has a little dance. She feels sick. She's you know there's a lot of sequences of nothing happening. Yeah. Or not nothing, but I mean saying like you know plot building. But you already know. Oh shit! There's gonna be something like this coming up at any moment. So the music keeps you alert and keeps you on high tension because you're assuming shit this is going to happen again and i don't know with right who. yeah i mean one other thing that i think probably gets overshadowed by the just the over the topness of the kill in that in that sequence too is like her friend is running around trying to get help and stuff like that and no one comes zero people she's screaming as much as she can she's she's like running down the hallways no one comes and i feel like that just kind of Furthers that sort of central theme with Susie Banyan uh, that she is like really uh, kind of on her own here, and you can't really expect um, the masses of people that she's surrounded with, like her classmates beyond Sarah, uh, to really come to her assistance. Right, it, it, it's like a very apathetic world in in, in a way. Because yes. I mean, this this is a large building. You would assume that at least one person would come out and see. Yeah, I mean, not only is the murder happening, where I mean. The, the the hair the the Mediterranean hand is not being quiet, uh, and uh, and she's screaming too for help, and uh, and nothing comes. Yeah, no, that's true. By the way, do you think in this movie? So this is one one question mark I had. Do you think there's a killer in this movie, or do you think it's just uh, a summoned creature by the witches? I feel like that has to be a summoned creature. I mean. It's like coming from like the top floor of this like apartment building and and going through windows and stuff. Uh, I feel like it's uh, and, and we're talking about supernatural witches. It, it makes more sense to be something 
a little more supernatural. Uh, it's hard to say exactly what it is. Um, and I don't know. Yeah, it doesn't matter to me, I guess. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, I, I guess. I, I, I just, for me, Diana, I was wondering because you, you do have killers or you do have... You have possessions, if you will. Um, so, I mean, so going, going a little bit more into, into the plot. Uh, so we learn about Sarah, who was good friends with uh, of the girl who died. Her name is Pat. Um, Sarah is suspicious that something is happening. Uh, she talks about Mother Marcos, especially after the um, um, the reign of maggots. Yes. Which is a pretty gruesome scene of it on its own. No, I think it works really well. Uh, I think they right. I think those are real maggots too. Oh, I think so too. Uh, once again, on the whole, like how many animals were hurt in the making of this movie? Tons. Yeah, ninety nine point nine percent of which were maggots. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean not the dog, but uh, definitely the maggots. Uh, because they were stepping on it, them, they were like shushing them. There was a lot of uh, uh, maggots, which which forces all the girls to have like a slumber party, right? Or not a slumber party, but like uh, to sleep in like the main hall, which is where we get to see, uh, we're introduced to... Um, the directress. The directress. Um, or at least what we assume is the directress. Uh, who just sounds like a person with lots of asthma. <laughs> uh, yeah, more or less. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, that's an incredible sequence too. I, I like that part starting from sort of like the maggots happening um, all the way till like the, the lighting of that sort of like hall, the main hall where they're sleeping and when they turn the lights mm -hmm. off and some of those like, I, th I think they're crane tracking shots or something like that where they're flowing through and it's really voyeuristic. Just like incredibly well done. Uh, it's just great stuff. I mean, oh, definitely. it's not a kill uh, or anything, but uh, it's uh, it's exciting. I, one thing I like about that as well is um, how the, with the lighting, how everything is red, but somehow, you know, when, when Sarah, uh, you know, starts freaking out about the the snoring or the the sound of the directress she's lit with a green light and I'm, I'm actually very curious how you do that how you have so much red lighting around it and then have such a focused green green color light onto just one person without um i don't know without changing the rest of the room right yeah, I don't know either, but it's it's uh, very striking. Uh, in fact, there's a couple uses of green in this film, all of which I enjoy. Uh, it's not as used as much as like red or blue, but um, at the end too, I, I think I recall a couple of shots where there's like some really striking green lights. Uh, mm -hmm. yeah. So. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, I mean, there's definitely like, there are definitely some color sequences. There's also some uh, yellow colors in, in certain areas where uh they're very well used um so i mean even thinking when even thinking about those color changes and also if you will the um the camera use you know when when 
Susie gets uh, sick. So this is slightly before the maggots. I actually really liked how they used, you know, she, she, sees this, she sees this light that makes her sick. You see lots of a flash of colors. And then when she's dancing, the camera basically moves with her. But she looks really sick. She looks like she's about this, to pass this out. This is the one, two, three, four. One, two, one, three, four. Yeah. Is that one? Yeah, 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 that one. Yeah, that scene. And like she's like they force her to dance even though she's not feeling well. And the camera, move like the, the way that the camera moves with her makes you dizzy as well. And I, I would picture in the movie theater, I would actually feel like you know you you would feel as queasy as she does. And they do basically a really good job there on 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 just the camera movements and the lighting to to make you feel as disoriented as, as she is. Again, I, I don't think her acting is great. I think the movie and the director and everything makes it right. so this, you're still with yeah, her. This is not an actor's film. Um, it's more of a no. director's film for sure. Um, but yeah, I agree. That's a good sequence. Um, I, I'm always a big fan of how Argento moves the camera and it just sort of like glides in, in certain scenes and it just moves really s smoothly and stuff. And uh, yeah, uh, I, I think just the camera use in general in this film is, is just really, really good. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, so now all of this is happening. They clear out the maggots. It's not really explained why there were maggots. They say that it's bad food. Sure. Uh, and sure, yeah. <laughs> That's a lot of maggots um, to get really fast for some bad food. Ex exactly. Um, and then you go into, and this is the part where I would say the movie is not very well connected. So you got the maggots, and then you go into the next scene where they're dancing again, normal. And then you have uh, the pianist who happens to be blind uh, and leaves his dog outside. He gets get kicked out of the, uh, the academy because his dog bit this little kid. I forget the name of the kid, but right, right, uh, right. he's like the nephew of uh, Madame Blanc. Uh-huh. Yeah. Now, it's one of the funnier sequences because I do like uh, uh, Miss Tanner in this movie. You know, Miss, you were just talking about how German this movie is. I think Miss Tanner is easily the most German part of this film. Right, exactly. Yeah, she's like a, stereoty a stereotypical, like, German, like, almost like Bavarian woman. Yeah, it's like, who... <laughs> it's like her back is just like 100% straight. There's like... You don't have like this two percent scoliosis curvature or anything for her. She's just like, and super stern, and her teeth are like ultra white. Um, right, know, it, and then like her hair yeah. is like super tightly. Uh, yeah, if we're, if we're gonna compliment any performances in this film, uh, I, I think Miss Tanner would would be towards the top of that list. Oh, one hundred percent. Miss Tanner is the most memorable character. Um. So, I mean, my favorite part of her kicking the guy out is how she just comes in and she's both angry, but then she smiles. She's like, you can go now, as you're smiling or something. And it's just, I don't know. Uh, it's like, if I catch you again, I will, I will make sure that that filthy dog dies. And <laughs> again, a little bit out of nowhere, but it, it, it gives you that beautiful second kill. Yeah. Which is the blind man. Now, 
I have. A, I was wondering. So you you've seen this movie tw- uh, at least twice. Uh, the second kill happens at the square where you got uh, you got a bunch of you know neoclassical buildings with uh, with all columns and whatnot, and there's this sound of something flying. The, at some moment, the camera focuses on this weird gargoyle on top of one of the buildings, mm-hmm. or like it looks like a German eagle or something. I was kind of curious if the movie implies that that eagle was flying. And that only the dog could see it? I mean, it kind of makes you think that... Uh, 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 I, I also noted those two shots when I saw it today. It kind of makes you think that you're like... Uh, like it might be Hitchcock's bird or something, where it's going to be a, like a, a aerial attack on him. Uh, which makes it... I, I kind of sets it up so the dog ends up being sort of a swerve, where it's absolutely not what you expect at that uh, moment. Um because I also was like, oh, what, what's going to happen here? You expect something to fly in. Um, like right. up to this point, the only kill we know is the Mediterranean arm that comes through the window, which is sort of in the air too. So we don't expect it to come from like uh, the dog. Right. And and yeah, no, and I, I personally think that the dog is, because the dog is barking uh, and not moving anymore. And it almost seems like either the dog is possessed or the dog is attacking something that we don't get to see. Mm, mm-hmm. uh, and, and that happens to be right on on the pianist's neck. <laughs> yeah. And then in his organs. On his organs. Yeah. I mean, the dog eats him. Like, yeah. Or eats a lot of part of him. A, a lot of him. Uh, which <laughs> is one of those scenes where, like, very shocking, probably watching it at, at his, during its era. But at the same time, the cuts between the fake dog, the real dog, and when the dog is eating, which is, <laughs> you know, looks like a very friendly dog eating chow, makes it a little bit funny watching it today. What do you think? I, I'll grant you that one. I didn't laugh, but it's, uh, I, I don't think it has like a straight up horrific, gruesome feel to it um, uh, in the way that the first kill does. Right. However, I mean, it is gruesome if you think oh, about it, right? Like this dog, uh, and this dog is like this man's uh, like close companion. Right. I mean, it's terrible. Right? It's like this dog is like the guy's trusted, uh, his most trusted being probably, and, and it just straight up murders him and eats him. Uh, so that's pretty bad. Right. Uh, but yes, there it do, it doesn't play the same way that the first kill does, where it's just like brutal. Uh, yeah, no. I, I, think, I think the 100%. kill itself is also shorter too. It's more like twenty seconds, whereas uh, uh, the first one is like they just string it on one thing after the other before she's like hanging in the air and and another person has died too. Yeah, I agree. And so from there, we once again we go back into the plot. <laughs> this is what this I guess is my part part, part of the criticism, right? Like. Pl- you got scenes, and then you got like a, a thinly veiled plot. Uh, we go back to the plot. Sarah, talk, uh, Sarah, and and Susie sort of talking to each other, trying to convince Susie to um, uh, to address uh, or to to sort of investigate what's happening. You know, the, there's a scene where they're they're counting how many steps is necess- uh, like how there's this, someone is walking at night and they think that he's walking outside but actually no it's walking to a secret place 
Um, Sarah is probably the most uh, active character in this movie. It's probably the only one who's actually actively trying to resolve things. Yes. Um, yeah, it's actually only at the end that Susie really starts to do more stuff. I mean, par- part exactly. of it is because they seem to be like lacing her food with like fentanyl or something. Uh, so. Yeah. Yeah, Susie's, I mean, every night she's just passed yeah. out. Uh, but at the same time, Sarah probably, when she gets killed, is one of the dumbest characters to see getting killed. Uh, and I will get, get into a sequence. So she, she's smart enough to figure out where to go, find the, pa- the secret passage place, right? Yes. However, once... Uh, Oh wait, no. Sarah, Sarah did not find, get get into secret passage place. She only figured out how to get there. She and she wrote it down. However, when she's trying to get Susie to go with her to secret passage place, she get uh, Susie gets uh, someone goes into Susie's room. Sarah escapes and then she goes to an app to the attic. Yeah, lots of blue, uh, except for once a killer shows up, whoever that is. Uh, stylistically, again, beautiful. Sarah starts like banks against a bunch of glass, and different colors pop out from those glasses, which is beautiful. However, when you think about it, why? Why did she do that? I don't know. <laughs> uh, wait, wait. Like what, she, what's the decision you're she, criticizing specifically? She breaks a bunch of windows. Without doing anything, like she kind of walks, uh, like so, a hand comes up with a knife, uh-huh. so she backs up, breaks a window, rolls while standing, breaks another window, rolls when standing again, uh-huh. breaks another window, and then she goes into a room. A very beautiful sequence because each window that she breaks, there's a light that comes up from behind. Yeah. So basically, uh, okay, I agree. Yeah. What? Why? Why? Why break the windows? <laughs> Yeah, what, why did that happen? But again, beautiful. Yeah. Why? <laughs> uh, and then once she's inside, the killer is trying to use the knife to open this very small latch that to, all, to keep it locked, all you need to do is push that latch down so the knife doesn't pull it open. And Sarah goes to a, the furthest corner not to do that and tries to go to this tallest window <laughs> to escape. When she could have just kept the door locked. True. So, I mean, the decision-making of this character, who they show very smart at the beginning, yeah. is questionable. Yeah. Well, somewhere uh, somewhere out there in Washington State, Nathaniel is lo- nodding along. He agrees with your points. <laughs> I'm just saying, that those are just one of the, uh, like, some of the funnier scenes. And then, you know, her falling into a... a barbed wire room yeah i mean that's just where they store their barbed wire don't you have one of those rooms <laughs> every dance school should have a barbed wire room yeah uh i mean i actually giving giving the movie the benefit of the doubt um it could be piano wire and that would actually be reasonable <laughs> yeah sure uh however I, I didn't i didn't know that piano wire was so sharp yeah, no, it's definitely barbed wire. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't think it's their barbed wire storage closet. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, but I mean, but that's a very horrible way of dying. Like again, and this movie definitely thinks of horrible ways of dying. It is. I mean, I think one way to think about this film, and I think it does benefit this film to just drop all logic and not worry about that stuff, because I think it's, I think there are a lot of holes to this film, especially in like the uh-huh. the maybe the character decisions and stuff like that. But it's almost like uh, it's better to think of this film as just like almost like a nightmare, uh, in a certain way, just like a really right. scary. Uh, just sort of like surreal dream. Which I think is uh, what uh, Argento in a way is kind of known for, right? In a a way. I mean, I think this is him going the most into that category. Um, But it's Mm. almost like, um, I think there's a little more narrative structure here than a a Lynch film, but some of the stylizations and stuff like that do remind me a little bit of David Lynch, like a Mulholland Drive, Twin Peaks sort of, uh, feel to it, some, mm. like the curtains and things like that, reminding me of Twin Peaks. I see. Yeah, no, I can see that. Um, I mean, and it is a product from the seventies, where people were being more experimental and less, uh, really, like less worried about plot and more experimental with visuals and ideas. Right. Um, I mean, again, I. I I'm I I criticize the choices. I do find them. I mean, I still will say the movie is beautiful, and I enjoy it because of it. I mean, you wouldn't have those beautiful breaking glass scenes, but for her poor choices. Uh, <laughs> so basically, you think they should have come up with a better reason for her to break the windows? Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Probably. Yeah. Um, but yeah, after she dies. You have the expositional scene where, where Susie talks to this professor. We both gra- grabbed a glass of water. So, you know, in short, the professor says, there are witches. And I think that's good enough. <laughs> yeah. Essentially, yes. Uh, yeah. And, <laughs> and then we finally get to, uh, finally Susie gets to figure out the secret passage. Now, when it comes to style, this is the part where, you know, I really enjoyed. Yeah. Uh, I also really enjoyed Sarah's death. Uh, I just want to be clear about that too. Uh, oh yeah, no, yeah. And uh, one thing that the that both the sequence are about to go into and Sarah's death have is it has a ton of suspense to it, and and there's a mm-hmm. lot of like danger for the characters. And I do think that's something that uh, is a bit lacking in the newer version. Um, but anyways, let's let's keep going. Uh, no, I, but yeah, I, I agree. And once we get there, I think we, we'll get to talk about that. I mean, this movie, again, I, I think the strength of this movie, and if we were to, you know, what, sure, I mean, both of them are are supernatural horrors. But the structure of this movie is a supernatural horror mystery. In the movie, we don't really know that they're witches until... The expositional scene where the professor says yeah. witches, yeah, and, and a bunch of other crap I don't remember, um, but we do know that weird shit is happening, and we kind of want to find out what we know that Susie's being drugged, Sarah is a smart one until she gets killed, and you kind of want to figure out okay what what's happening here, who's doing it, you know that uh, Madame Blanc is kind of a, I mean you know that Madame Blanc and Miss Tanner and everyone else, I mean you know that they're they're up to no good, but not why. And, and the why is probably doesn't matter that much, but it keeps you tense and it adds to the suspense. Right. Um, yeah. 
And one thing that did happen, uh, we're, you're saying earlier that two of the characters that uh, Susie does kind of trust are Sarah and Mark. And one thing that happens between Sarah's death and uh, the the following plot is that we learn that Mark is actually in on it uh, too because he helps yeah. to cover up for um, uh, Sarah's death. So, right. And, and if anything, I mean, because unlike the first uh, two kills that are very supernatural, the last one actually Sarah's beyond the barb 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 wire. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Sarah's kill. Besides the barbed wire kill, uh, the barbed wire room, which is. I don't know if it's it's just poor planning. Uh, the the kill itself is actually it, it looks like it's a real person. Uh, to be honest, I thought it could be Mark. It could have been. I mean, I feel like my mind always goes to that really big guy with the really white teeth. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's hard to say. It could it could really be anyway. It could be Dario or Gento. I mean, and at the end of that right. sequence, the part you're talking about, I assume, is the part where Sarah gets her throat slit. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, she's being chased by this man with a knife for for a while. I don't know, like the the creature that comes up in the in in Pat's uh, death is super strong mm-hmm. and is able to break like walls and things like that. The killer for Sarah wasn't even like it took him a fucking hour to open that door. It, it, it's unclear if he even even opened it. Actually, he probably did not. Yeah, he, he just went in the uh, uh, the main door into the barbed wire closet, and yeah. So, so when we look at it that that way, I think that the killer in in that scene could have been Mark, which is unfortunate because again, he is like the the guy who you could you imagine you could trust. Right. Is there anything that in that sequence that would even tip them off that they're male? Could they be a? Could it be a woman? Because I mean, the women out, way outnumber the men in this. It could be. Uh, yeah, it could be. Or it could be, you know, uh, Pavlo uh, as well, who, as introduced in the movie, he's ugly. <laughs> <laughs> yes. He's ugly and he doesn't speak English. Yep. That's all you know yeah, about him. So probably, well, most certainly, like 95% chance he's the killer. Maybe or it could have been. It could be Mark. I mean, you know that they're all in yeah, on, yeah. In, in on yeah. it. Uh, I mean, this is a little uh, fun fact for maybe uh, anyone, any Spanish-speaking person. But Mark is played by Miguel Bosé, who is a Spanish singer, and I thought that was kind of funny. Oh, is he very well known? Yeah. Oh, really? Huh. Yeah. So, a fun fact there. <laughs> Uh, he wasn't dubbed by him, though. He was dubbed by, you know, some guy, some American. But, uh, anyways, so we go into Susie's discovery of the secret place. First, the office. When she gets to that office, uh, Madame Blanc's office, there's something that they did with the camera, and I think the uh, office is oval, kind of like, you know, the oval office. <laughs> <laughs> the office is oval, which makes, uh, which actually puts a little bit off place with it when the camera is tracking her walking through this uh, small but round rounded office. Do you do you have any feelings about that? Uh, I mean, it's a cool shot. Yeah. 
Beyond that, no. yeah. Okay. I mean, and yeah, I mean, everything about the lighting and the styles of this film are really good. But you did just get me thinking if uh, if our, our current president Trump has uh, discovered the the irises in his office to the secret passageways. She, if he does, he's gonna find uh, all the people that Q are searching for. <laughs> Probably. Probably. But uh, anyways. Once she gets into that room, that's where the colors get really cool. I mean, you start with a really deep blue. Then you go into a greenish-yellow uh, hallway. And then you go into a hallway with a black uh, wallpaper with yellow writing on it. To finally get into the secret office where they're all just kicking it. And talking about killing her. It's an employee lounge. Yeah. <laughs> They're, they're just having some good old-fashioned locker room talk. I know, I know. And, and that's when she finds the mistress in her own room. Now, this is where I would say again, like, style, beautiful. That entire sequence, beautiful. Once you get to the mistress... She's just laughing, and she's like, oh, you can't kill me. You're going to try to kill me? Sure, try. And then she's invisible. Yeah. And then her friend, her friend's zombified friend just comes up, like, trying to kill her. And then out of nowhere, there is thunder, and you see the outline of the mistress so she could kill her. Again, plot-wise, flimsy, but very fun sequence. Yeah, yeah. Sure. I mean, I love the zombification. I think that looks great. And seeing Sarah coming mm -hmm. at her, like the reanimated... I think that's fantastic. But yeah, I, I also have to... That scene cracks me up too. Because she like becomes invisible, but she also doesn't move. I think she's like literally right. sitting at the same spot. I mean, maybe she's like yeah. 137 years old and doesn't want to move. But like literally, she's just... she She's there. <laughs> she's been there the whole time. Uh, <laughs> so... I, I, and, and, she's, and she's laughing. So I mean, yeah. Susie could have uh, you know, used her ears to figure out, oh, she's right yeah. here. <laughs> 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 and so I mean and to kill her it just takes like one stab I mean like Susie is maybe like a hundred pounds uh, like small petite yeah. dancer uh, no problem <laughs> burns the whole school down <laughs> exactly but it's fine I, it does not bother me um, but it is it no, is kind of fun no, it doesn't, to laugh about it, at least. It, it is exactly it doesn't bother me I mean, in fact what I do like is how as soon as she stabs her all the all the staff starts dying. Yeah. Uh, all the witches, basically. Yeah. And then she just leaves laughing. Uh, uh, Susie leaves laughing the, uh, while the building is on fire. And you hear a bunch of women screaming. Now, my question is, is it implied that the other girls were in on it? Or did Susie just kill a bunch of innocent people? Weren't they at a show? Were they at a show? Yeah, didn't didn't uh, one of the teachers get tickets for everyone? Uh, uh, Madame Blanc. But why was Madame Blanc at, uh, in the office? Oh, I I think she I think the assumption was she got tickets for everyone else, uh, to go, but not herself. I don't know. I'm not sure. Oh, okay. Maybe you're right. Maybe you're I right. thought, or maybe Susie did just murder everyone. I'm I'm okay with either, either way, way, honestly. Yeah, me it's too. Fine. And, and she leaves, uh, and she leaves like laughing my, uh, with like with a maniacal laugh, uh, which you almost feel like 
Shit, maybe did she did she become the new like directress? It's super abrupt. <laughs> but I mean, honestly, yeah, it's I, like whatever they put at the end, it wouldn't have been worth it anyway. So it's like I'm fine with it. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean that that's the yeah. ending. It's just like it ends. Fire and I'll tell you what we did yeah. not need. We didn't need the witch guy to come back and like uh come in at the end with the police and like explain everything. That's one thing I could do without. Right. Uh, which would have been an American movie. Yes. Uh, so <laughs> I do have a question for you. So this film, uh, I think, I think it's pretty obvious by now that uh, uh, one thing we're uh, particularly love about this film is just the cinematography and the way it's shot. Your partner is an artist. Uh, did you happen to see this film with her at all? Does she have any opinion? No, she's too busy. Oh, too busy. She was too busy. Okay. She saw colors. And blood, <laughs> like with her, you know, when she was passing by. Uh-huh. But uh, she actually was more interested with the remake. Okay, I mean the remake also has some very cool shots, but uh, this one, I mean, this one is the original and and the inspiration for later films for a reason. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. No, I mean again, this. I mean, for nineteen seventy seven, this movie is very good. I mean. When it comes to frame, cinematography, colors, uh, although its plot is somewhat flimsy, it's good. It's good enough to to give you a thrill. I would not give it um, <clears throat> the ninety three percent Rotten Tomato, <laughs> but you know, overall, it's a good movie. I mean, right? What do you think? Uh, you're talking about your rating. Yeah, or in general, like, I mean... I mean, I really like this film. Uh, I think for me, this film, I, I would actually give it uh, a 10 out of 10. Uh, I just think it's really good, and I just think it works on Damn. all those levels. I think that there's flaws, and I think there's things you can pick apart, but I think uh, its uh, strengths and stuff uh, outweigh those for me. I guess I guess for me, this movie, there was moments, there, there were moments that it, it had, that it, where I had a hard time, like, actually staying interested, which is in like which I think is where we we're very opposite, because it it it, ha- it keeps that high tension throughout the entire movie with the music. Mm-hmm. I would get tired. Yeah, and I would get tired not just in the exposition scene, but like in 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 other scenes where, again, plot was happening. So it's hour and a half runtime felt longer because I would still be watching it. But it just right. felt a little bit longer. Yeah, I watched this film in the morning too, so I was pretty high energy when I saw it. So, um, yeah. Uh, so, mm-hmm. what what do you rate this film? I mean, I would give it a, a seven or eight. Uh, but uh, yeah, I don't know if I would go for a nine or. 10. Okay. Well, I mean, I would say the first two times I saw this film, it was probably like a seven, and then I went up to a nine, and now I'm probably a ten. And who won in this movie, since this is the question you usually ask? Uh, well, you're hosting, so you don't need to ask it. Uh, but I would say Dario Argento. It's his most well-known film. It's not personally my favorite from him, but uh, I think it's a really, really good film. Uh, and I think it works on um, uh, all the net levels it needs to. Uh, and I think it shows a ton of his strengths. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say Argento. Goblin's a close second. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, Goblin's yeah. great. Yeah. So now you know 
we're going to jump into... I mean, do you have anything else to say about uh, 1977? Uh, two, two quick last thoughts. Soundtrack that Goblin does, it's based off of a Christian song called Jesus Loves This I Know, uh, which is nice. interesting, but also makes sense uh, if you actually like just kind of pay attention to it musically. It's like a super darkened version of it, but it does kind of yeah. sound like a sort of a children's folktale music. Um, and the last point I wanted to do, just looking over my notes, is this is, I believe, Dario Argento's first film he did outside of Italy. And so I wonder if that mm. also contributed to sort of that reoccurring theme we were talking about of Susie Banyan sort of being the other, the outsider uh, in these circumstances. So just wanted to quickly mm. uh, add those two thoughts in before we move on. Okay. Yeah, no, that's good, good to know. Um, all right. So now we're jumping into Suspiria 2018. This movie directed by Luca Guadagnino, I think. Just say it fast. Uh, I don't know. Guadagnino. <laughs> uh, there you go. Yeah. Uh, which is a director that is not 100% known for making um, horror movies. Uh, his biggest movie is Call Me By Your Name. And the other movies that he's made are sort of, of uh, related themes. Yeah. Uh, coming of age, uh, romantic have, movies. Have you seen his other films? I have not. I know that, uh, at least Call Me By Your Name, I know it's like highly acclaimed. Right. S same with me. Uh, I haven't either. Uh, but I, I mean, I, of course, I've heard of Call Me By Your Name. Mm -hmm. um, the, the one thing he has in common with uh, Argento is that they're both Italian. I just pointed, wanted to point that out. Um, the screenwriter for this movie is David Kajganich. Again, I'm butchering that Nailed name. Nailed it. Uh, <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> um, he, uh, he look, it looks like he make he actually writes uh, horror movies in general. So, hmm. very good. And then uh, music, Tom York. Yep. Uh, from Radiohead. Um, so right, just by saying that, you know that the the music's going to be very different. Um, Although, how great would have been if uh, Tom York created a soundtrack where he was just going, witch, witch. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't have been I mean, into that, but yeah, whatever. It's cool. It's Tom York. Yeah. Uh, ratings, uh, the rating, uh, again, Rotten Tomato gave it a 65%. And I'm pointing this out because I just really love the makeup in this movie. Uh, so makeup was by Mark Collier. And I think he did makeup on, on a costume. If I'm wrong, uh, email or tweet us that I'm wrong on the costume. But I love both of those two things. So let's start with what do you think? So I've seen this one twice this year. Uh, I was not planning on watching it a second time this year, but that's all right. Uh, I think it. I think this is a good movie. Um, I have a lot of problems with certain parts of this movie, mainly that it's too long. Uh, but I mm -hmm. think uh, the performances are good. Uh, I, I really like the the mood and the atmosphere of this film as well. Um, and I think it did a good job having sort of a different mood and atmosphere. Um, cinematography, I believe, is done by a Thai cinematographer. I think it's really good too, um, and uh, uh, I'm glad. I'm glad this film exists. Um, 
Uh, I don't think this is a terrible remake, and I'm glad they tried to do different stuff, um, but personally, I don't find it close to the level of the original. All right. Um, so I personally like this one more than the original, <laughs> which is what I thought we would, we would uh, probably disagree yeah. with. Which? Um, which? Okay. Um, I... Uh, so w when it comes to, so I think we both agree that it's nice that they, they did something different from the original. I mean, one of the biggest fears when you have a remake is that they're going to go too close to the original, uh, just do it poorly. Uh, here, the director clearly chose not to do that, went all the way in the opposite. You got realistic muted colors. Uh, when it's rain because it's raining every day, just like the original, it's gray. Everything is gray, uh, and except for you know the moments where colors are important, uh, which which goes into the costumes around the end. Um, the the tone of this movie is more of a I would say a desolate tone. It's I mean. You could say the music has a huge influence here with Tom York as a, instead of being a horror uh, in the sense of suspense, mystery, and about to get killed, it's more about, it's, it's just kind of sad. You have a little bit of a, a sad tone to it. Everyone, everyone in this movie, which I find interesting, unlike the other one, seem to be people who want to help each other out. Mm, mm -hmm. uh, however, they can't. And they're all, they're all like really sad inside. <laughs> um, and I, I don't know, I, I kind of like that, uh, that aspect of it. Uh, of, you know, in the previous one, no one seems to want to help anyone except for Sarah and, and Susie. Uh, but all the other girls seem fine, you know. Right. In here, even, I mean, besides the witches, who I really enjoy. In this movie, I actually enjoyed the witches. I enjoy the fact that they tell you in the beginning, they're witches. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, there's no, there's, the first film is more of a mystery. This one's not. No, yeah. They're witches, and, and, and you get to hang out with them uh, when they're having their dinners when they're having their little get uh their outings and i bet you find that uh, maybe this is some of the fat you consider but i liked it i liked how you get to see how they're having fun having drinks while also having uh telepathic conversations in german i thought that was a really good uh way of you know sort of getting to know their personality while also getting to know the exposition, if you will. Actually, that's not at all what I would cut. I, I, I also like those parts. So I agree with you on there. Um, yeah, right. If we're going to go harken back just to the Tom York soundtrack real fast, I always felt like Radiohead was a great soundtrack. We both have grown up uh, or had spent a lot of time in Seattle, and I always felt that was a great mm -hmm. um, soundtrack for especially like autumn and winter in soundtrack in Seattle. Mm -hmm. And honestly, the climate of this film and just the way it seems to always be raining, uh, it, it reminds me of Seattle in, in a way, uh, how it's just constantly right. overcast. Obviously, the ar architecture and stuff like that um, in Seattle is not as European as this stuff. 
uh, mm-hmm. here. But um, but I did I couldn't help but think a little bit about Seattle after seeing scene after scene uh, where you just kind of hear that rain and it sort of just has this oppressive tone. And I think the Tom York music works really well with that. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I think I, I didn't even think about Seattle, but uh, yes, it is. It almost feels like you're in Seattle, which I actually, when it comes to movies, I love Seattle as a setting or cities like that because you, it, it does give you that, a little bit of a dreary uh, uh, feeling. So kids, if you want to have a, an amazing vacation, go to Seattle, especially in, in autumn. <laughs> You will get no sunlight, but a great background sound that almost makes you feel that you're living in a Radiohead music yeah. video. <laughs> get some Tom York queued up on your Spotify, a little bit of OK Computer, uh, a little bit of Kid A, uh, maybe the Suspiria soundtrack, uh, and uh, uh, just uh, walk around, get a little wet. <laughs> Although the rain there was uh, harsher than the Seattle rain. True, but true. But but it was necessary so you could hear it everywhere. Like literally, you are in the building, you can still hear the rain in the background. I mean, that's how oppressive the right, rain is. Right. Um, but no, I, I, I agree with you. I, I think, um, I mean, e- even what's impressive about this movie and I think what sets the stage, I mean, the, the opening itself, I mean, if we were to cut a little bit of fat, I agree that the opening is itself is a little bit... Uh, weird uh that's uh you know the, the beginning where uh pat goes to the psychologist yeah i mean if, if we want to get into what i would cut i would cut everything with uh, just about everything with the psychologist i just think really uh i don't think so i i get what they're trying to do i just don't think i think you either need to expand it significantly or just totally cut it because i just don't think it works like, I don't think that theme of, uh, of sort of exploring the past and stuff, I just don't think it works very well in the film. Um, so I think if it were me, I would just would have cut it completely. And you get, like, probably 25 minutes uh, just from cutting that stuff. I think it's funny because, like, I actually, I, I was fine with psychologist. I, I, I guess the reason I liked the psychologist was because just like the professor in the first one, he was kind of the vehicle for exposition. True. But in this movie, oh. it's 25 minutes. In the original Suspiria, it's like five. I agree with you. But, it, but it, it's more... In this movie, it's a, uh, the, the exposition is a little bit more integrated with the actual plot. I, I mean, I actually like the psychologist as a character. So I think this is probably... Probably the psychologist might be the, one, of the, one of the elements where... Uh, this movie has been controversial. Yeah. And controversial in, in the critic because that, that 65% or the, what was it? 63% that I mentioned. Uh, that's 65. That's because like, I think there's two camps, right? Some camps that said the movie was way too fucking long. And themes are either not, and themes either should not have been put in or if, if so, been better explored. And then others who are like, no, this is fine. And I'm in the camp of, this is fine. Yeah. <laughs> I will say that um, the first time around, I was a little more intrigued with the psychologist. Second time around, I was just like, this should all be cut. Um, so so I see. Uh, my opinion did evolve a bit. Uh, and I was, 
and my opinion of other parts of the movie actually improved on the second viewing but uh psychologist i just became hmm. more convinced that uh, it was unnecessary okay. or at least that it just didn't work uh in its current form i should say i mean i could see expanding it and making this into like i don't know a uh four episode netflix show or something like that um uh right uh, but i i don't know it, it feels a little incoherent it feels too messy and and uh, I mean, I kind of get what they're going for, but I just don't think it gets to that point. So I would have cut it if I were to make this a feature-length movie. Well, that makes sense. I, I think it's like, for me, uh, I guess the, the reason why the psychologist kind of worked is because uh, they sort of changed, they, they drastically changed the the relationship that everyone has in the, uh, in the Tense Academy, Right. Which in like in the previous one, you know, the, all the girls are kind of selfish. Everything in the previous one, everything has a charge. Like, oh, you stay here, that's gonna be fifty dollars a night, or you do this, it's gonna be blah blah blah. In this one, they straight up like they're like, oh no, nah, I don't think we're gonna accept you. But as soon as you you know danced, they're like, shit, you're really good. Okay, you're accepted. And by the way, uh, room and board free. You know, and then all the girls are like interested in each other. It's almost like almost like a family. And you don't question family. You know what I'm saying? Like you, you don't question family. You don't question like you don't. You, so none of those none of the characters inside that school. Really question what's going on, question why things are happening. And because of that. And, and the one, the few that do, they disappear, right? They're not even gruesomely killed and found dead somewhere. They leave, they disappear, right? Yeah. And 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 then you got this back plot where you know you you got terrorists, uh, like left wing terrorists who are abducting people. You got like basically like real shit that's happening. So yeah, if someone disappears, you're like, well, shit. Maybe they joined the terrorist, or maybe they were abducted by the terrorist. We don't know, and and I think that's a really well. Uh, so it's a really good use of basically put, setting a stage where, unless there is an outsider looking into it, uh, no one would actually do it. You see, like it's, but but then, and here's where I'm going to go into the weakness, perhaps, because in this one, basically, it, it was thanks to the outsider that Sarah started investigating. Like Sarah was in intrigued. She looked a little bit, didn't find anything, and she kind of gave up. Uh, but thanks to the, uh, the doctor, Sarah was like, okay, I got some notes from, pa uh, from Pat. And I started investigating. And then you get to see her gruesome situation because of her investigation. Right. But you, you get to see that. Now, here's one part where not, when talking through it makes me think a little bit more about it, which is, is it necessary to have anyone investigating it? Uh, I mean, the investigating was kind of the uh, psychologist side plot. So personally, I am, uh, I mean, I actually don't mind the scenes where she's like going into like their artifact room and stuff like that. I think those 
Like, I, I, I like scenes like that, even for just the atmosphere and stuff like that. But, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, expositionally, I don't care. I mean, I don't care if they have that scene or not. Right. Because, I mean, and again, lots of spoilers in this movie. At the end, it didn't matter. <laughs> Susie was mother, uh, Mother Suspiria. Yeah. And and whatever Sarah did didn't matter. If if anything, Sarah should not have investigated shit, and she probably would have been fine, and the movie would have ended the same way. Yeah, except Sarah would have been fine. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> I mean, in in that sense, you know, the investigation. That's why I'm saying, plot wise, maybe I mean you could take out all the investigation, and then uh, things would have been fine. I personally, I don't know, like, I, I like the Doctor, uh, I like the, his inclusion in it. Yeah. I personally liked uh, the, I, I guess I liked him because of the uh, thematic things that were, that are said, even in, in passing. Uh, right. I, I mean, like honestly, when, I had no issue with the performance. I thought Tilda Swinton was good in that role. Uh even though it's spoilers on uh, on on on, well, we're spoiling on... everything. It's fine, uh, uh, <laughs> but uh, I just didn't think. Yeah, uh, I, and the other thing I would have cut uh, to me, this film just felt more like a um, director's cut. Could have used just a stronger hand. It's like the ending hmm. of the last one; it just ends. This one, there's like kind of fifteen minutes at the end. You don't really need. Um, yeah. See, I like that. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean. This is why you like Revolver more than me too. Uh, it's like you like you're you're okay with a little more um, uh, thematic exploration, um, whereas I think I I prefer uh, linear plots and maybe simpler in a way. Um, and all the complicated mother mumble jumbo, I was also okay getting rid of that. Like all the flashbacks to her mom, eh? Don't need it. Cut it. Right, and but I think that that's also like one of those things where. Yeah, where where the, where this movie gets to play a little bit more with the plot. So, because I mean, the director got basically a paper thin plot, which we both agree, right? And decided to flesh the shit out of it. And one of the thing themes of the plot, and putting it together with the other, the three mothers theme, which again I haven't seen the other two, but more talking about the motherhood of it, uh, of of the thing itself, has to do a little bit with. There's a lot of motherly love in this movie, and motherly actions, if you will. Right. Uh, and so you you got the 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 you got Susie's mother, who hates Susie. Like it's basically implied that hates Susie. Yes. Uh, you got Susie, who is in one way or another the reincarnation of Mother Suspiria, right? Yes. And when she and and, and this is the reason why I actually liked. Uh, perhaps why I like having the old man story in it, or the doctor story, is that when Susie turns into Mother Suspiria, she goes from being this weird-ass girl, she's weird, yeah, to a mother figure, straight up a mother figure to a point where, like, in the last 15 minutes, she goes, and, 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 I'm, and I, I hear, you know, they take advantage of... of um, uh, Dakota Johnson, who known for you know 
her gray movies. Here she actually gets to show her acting chops of going from, to be honest, probably the character from Fifty Shades of Grey to being a mother. And, and that's very impressive the way she, she does it. And you get to not only get to enjoy that, but I think it's a very touching moment where she uh, like treats the doctor almost like a mother would treat someone who is sick, who is dying, who is sad, and sort of, uh, you know, heal him from that sorrow and perhaps giving him an Alzheimer's. I think he, she gave him Alzheimer's or something <laughs> or um, amnesia. But, but you know what I'm saying? Like that calming mother, motherly figure, uh, I think is one thing that I, I, I liked. And those last 15 minutes really get you get to enjoy it. Yeah. Do you think she could do that to everyone that's seen Fifty Shades of Grey? Just like give them amnesia and then they forget the film? She. <laughs> I, I think uh, uh, a Mother Suspiria could, Dakota Johnson. I don't know. Yeah. I don't think she's magical like yeah, that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I thought that was a good moment too. I, I don't think it uh, outweighs the, uh, the fat, uh, in my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good fact. Yeah. I mean, that's the payoff. That's right. the payoff to it. Um, is that scene at Yeah. Um, well, I mean, yeah. like, for someone who enjoys uh, pork belly. Yeah. The fat in the pork belly, it's crunchy. It's not very good for you. <laughs> but I enjoy that fat. Oh, I do too. And that, that was the kind of fat yeah. that uh, I, I got to enjoy. Yeah. Um, uh, do we want to talk about Dakota Johnson? Sure. Yeah. Let's yeah. go. Let's let's talk about Dakota Johnson. I think she's actually really good in this movie. Um, I have not seen Fifty Shades of Grey, uh, despite me, me putting some shade on it right there. Uh, I don't have much interest in seeing it, uh, and I actually don't know if I've seen her in a whole lot. But she's really good uh, in this film. I think she works really well. I think her and Tilda Swinton mm -hmm. um, really uh, helped to carry this film. Um, both of them have good, strong screen presences i think the chemistry together really works well um and that mm -hmm. that to me uh more than um uh the psychiatrist who i could do without uh is the uh heart and soul of the the film oh 100 yeah I, I was defending this the psychiatrist just mainly because i had to okay. <laughs> but no i i completely agree uh, i think the relationship between I mean, between her character and uh, Madame Blanc, which would be John, definitely Johnson and Sultan's uh, acting, makes the movie. Uh, having watched the previous one, you are expecting Taylor Sultan to be Sultan to be a bad guy. Yeah, you know, like, yeah. she's Madame Blanc, uh, and at the beginning when they introduce her. It kind of looks like that, right? Like it looks like she acts like she cares, but she really kills people. Yeah, right. I mean, through through her magic. Um, but she cares about uh, Susie, hell of a lot. Right. I mean, in this film, I feel like it's a lot less of a fairy tale and a lot more complex. Uh, especially yeah. it's like I wouldn't call Tilda Swinton good or bad necessarily but they uh, in a way that you know it's like the original is just good or bad Sudhu Banyan is good uh, uh, Tanner and uh, Madame Blanc are, are bad uh, they're heavies right. um, in this film it's like is she good is she bad it's it's 
not obvious that it's one or the other. It's something else. Right. That, and that's, does she care about, you know, does she actually care about this, her students? Like, even, even her first interaction when she's talking to uh, Sarah, no, not Sarah, with uh, Olga, in her, when, you know, we barely get to see Olga here. But again, Olga, a complete different character in, in the original movie, being, you know, this girl who kind of talks bad about everyone. And uh, as here, instead, she, is, she challenges uh, Madame Blanc, basically saying, like, no, something happened to Pat. And the school might be involved in it. And uh, until Switzerland, basically, and, and her character shows great empathy. Like, no, we're all worried. And, and like, you know, uh, but it seems like she chose to be this radical terrorist. And, you know, that's her freedom. And whatever she's doing, we, we really care for her and blah, blah, blah. And, but like, it really comes genuine to the point where, like, I mean, again, you're like, well, she probably, I mean, because I saw the, we see in the other movie, she probably killed her. But maybe she cares. Maybe she's sad, and and and, and the movie almost sort of imp actually it's later later fleshed out that yeah she's kind of tired of killing this girl. Right. No, I mean there's a real emotional but, range to uh, her performance here. I mean Tilda Swinton I think is a great actor, uh, and, and yes. I think I mean I think she uh, she nails it, especially Madame Blanc. Right. Yeah. I mean even I'll even grant her the psychiatrist, even though it's like by far the my least favorite part of this film. Uh, yeah, I mean, I didn't know it was her. I didn't until like the scene when I, I mean, I didn't know it was her till I read it. No, same here. But yeah. I I didn't know it was. But I didn't know I didn't notice that. Um, that's what I meant by spoilers. Spoilers on uh, on the on the interesting factoids. Oh yeah. <laughs> but I I I, I didn't know. Uh, I did notice that the man sounded like a woman. Mm. But acting-wise, again, I mean, even in the scene where uh, uh, Dakota Johnson, uh, you know, the last 15 minutes is telling the doc about, you know, how his wife died, how she thought about him, you know, at the moment she's dying, fr freezing to death. And through all that fucking makeup, you can see his emotions, you know, and by his, I mean, Taylor Swinton's. That's fucking amazing. Like, that's impressive. Like, those are the moments where, you know, at least, uh, which is, again, I also have to give kudos to, you know, the makeup artist. Um, I, I, I mean, those are the little, like, technical, at least the technical parts that I really enjoyed, but also the character. I mean, Taylor Swinton is... Yeah, she blew my mind right. in this movie. And you haven't even brought up uh, Hel Helena Marcos, who she also plays. I know. <laughs> Which can't have been a very fun makeup job to get into. True. But it looks like she had fa fun on that one. Uh, yeah, I, I do believe she probably did. I mean, it, and it's almost like... Uh, actually, uh, Mother Marcos almost feels like... Um, a comic, uh, comic, uh, comedic relief. <laughs> <laughs> kind of does. For the movie. I mean, honestly, of like, all of the witches in this one that you could put back in the original, you'd probably put Mother Marcos back into the original from this one. Yeah. 
She's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be in your body. I'm gonna take over your body. Yeah. <laughs> She's like wearing sunglasses and in like this dark room. Uh. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, I, I would, I agree with you uh, when it comes to Dakota Johnson though, and, and her acting in general. When we talk about her acting, I also gotta bring in the dancing. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I was I was waiting uh, for this. Yes, I mean, when when you know it's starting off with them like, oh yeah, no, you you gotta no music, you gotta do your audition without music. I prefer without it, and she just starts dancing without it, like the physicalness of it and all those like violent movements with uh, you know with modern dancing, and without the music, it almost felt like she felt like she was being possessed, and that was just very. Uh, very striking. Yeah. Um, well, and then the way it cross-cuts to uh, Olga uh, being uh, just torn apart physically. Uh, oh. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah, I yes. mean, <laughs> I think uh, the dancing scenes are the best part of this film. Um, and I think they're the best uh-huh. sequences of this film. Uh, particularly the first one, although I think uh, the other dancing sequences are great, too. The first one being where um, uh, uh, Susie, uh, with an S... Uh, Banyan uh, additions and uh, and basically we cross cut between her and Olga who just or no not additions this is her her second, her second yeah so yes right because the addition is in the mirror room and then the which is the one that I was mentioning because you get to see her without music and just by herself moving right. but then you have right the the part where she's dancing uh, Olga walks away so she takes over Olga's plays and Madame Blanc does something to her hands and feet and they do a little bit of uh, light editing there uh, where she gets to dance like you think that she's giving her powers I don't know what she did but once she's dancing Olga is in the mirror room yeah and you get your first kill and just not, not like the kill. first one she's alive uh, that's right you get your first horror scene yes. and just like the first one the violence and gruesomeness of this puts you, basically tells you this is what could happen. Yes. I, I think, I mean, I, I think in that sense, it, there is the, because I mean, uh, the director on this one basically said that he wanted to make this movie highly inspired by the original, but definitely not make a remake. I think this is one of those where uh, by sort of the emotion, at least with the kill, especially the first one, sets you up for how fucked up this will be. Oh, yeah. Uh, what do you think? Um, um, yeah, I mean, I, I agree. Uh, it is, uh, uh, I mean, it's good. I mean, I think it kind of uh, carries a different style than the original, which is a lot more lush. I mean, but it, this is uh, almost just as brutal as that first kill with the Mediterranean arm uh, coming through the window and, and murdering someone. Um, it's really good. Um, it's a great uh, first, I mean, let's just call it kill. I mean, because it effectively is, uh, as far as that yeah. goes. Um, I mean, yeah, and especially when, like, I mean, it's gruesome in the sense that, like, there's very little blood, but she's being just Every bone is breaking, 
she's suffering so much that she pisses herself. Yeah. I mean, they, they go all out on, uh, right. on, on everything. And just her flying around. I don't know. And then at the end when they pick her up with the meat hooks. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's, that's some gnarly stuff too. I mean, make no doubt about it. Both of these films are straight horror films. Exactly. Uh, and she, and you just hear her breathing like barely. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, I, I mean, I don't know how, what order you want to go on this podcast, but uh, uh, the 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 final finale is definitely worth talking about as well as the the uh, dance scene where Sarah is exploring too. Uh huh. No, definitely. Um, so I mean, like we we could go through the kills, or yeah. we could again we're calling them kills. Um, yeah, we could go through the kills and then like explore the little bit of the quieter moments, some of the fat, if you will. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean again one thing I liked about this movie dance is a thing it's actually part of the plot yes. and most of the movie is focusing on it like I mean they are actually training for a show yep. right and once you get to the show is when Susie well is given uh, all the notes from Pat and she puts two and two together discovers the place right the day of the main dance she walks off while wearing her costume and then we get that beautiful sequence where you have the dance that everyone has been practicing for and Susie getting fucked over you mean Sarah Sarah yeah not Susie Sarah my yeah. bad mix that but it makes those but yes Sarah getting completely destroyed yeah. not as bad as Olga's yeah. because they need her in the dance Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and I mean, that's probably the most suspenseful uh, part of this film. I mean, maybe the most suspenseful part of both films is where Sarah is exploring and then gets her, gets basically all messed up. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I thought that sequence is also really well done. I don't like it. I think it's just a half notch below the Olga sequence, but uh, definitely one of my favorite parts of the film. And I think both of those scenes just really succeed on this level of... Um, uh, visceral physicality um, and and mm -hmm. uh, and uh, they're uh, very engrossing to to watch. Right, and and I love the editing where you know how they're cutting between the real dance on 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 the on, if you will on the supernatural torture that the person's receiving. Right, it's the same sort of cross cutting uh, technique in in both of them. Exactly, and. One thing though is, what do you think of the dance? I mean, you get to actually watch it, part of it. It's good. I mean, this is actually a legit dancing movie, and, and it has good dance numbers and stuff like that. And I think that's a real right. strength uh, to this film uh, that is not uh, present in the original, which is really not about dance at all. I mean, all you get is uh, Tanner uh, going one and two and three and four, and basically two minutes right. of that, uh, and then Susie passing out, and that's pretty much it. Yep. Um, no, definitely. Um, I also really like the costumes because it the, the makes the dance almost seem uh, seem more violent. Yeah. Because <laughs> uh, those red strings sort of mimic blood. It's uh, it's very it's very well done. And what do you think of the reanimated corpses? Since you mentioned that on the previous one, because uh, Sarah encounters Pat. 
Han Olga. Are those reanimated or are they just like really beaten up people? I don't know. Actually, she encounters more than just Pat and Olga because there's one corpse that is missing like legs and arms and it's just kind of rolling around trying to get See, up. See, my assumption was those people are still alive and they're not corpses. But maybe. But, uh, I mean, either maybe. way, it's terrible. <laughs> it's horrific. And I, th- I, I do like this. I, I thought the, uh, I, I mean, it's just a very horrific scene and I think, I, I think that part works. I mean, so to be honest, I think you're right that they're probably alive, but they're all under some sort of trance. Yeah, I mean, they're obviously imprisoned at that point. Right. Uh, Beyond just physically. Right. Um, So when it comes to the supernatural stuff in this movie, one thing I do like is how you don't see when it's happening, right? Like... All the girls have nightmares, or it's implied. The nightmares are the nightmares. Nightmare sequences are also very horrific. Um, and then all the kills, there's no one touching them, right? They're just breaking themselves. Um, I thought that was a very. I, I mean, I. I thought that was kind of very different from other horror movies that I've seen in the sense that, you know, you, you have that supernatural being, but you really don't have a, a, a creature killing anyone else. Yeah. And to your point, no one died until uh, they mercifully were allowed to die. Yeah. I mean, it's almost more horrific to keep them alive at that point as, like, like horrific, uh, like, injured corpses. Or not corpses, but, like, just humans. Right. Uh, so, I mean, the horror is there. It's very highlighted, I, I think. Um, to the, I guess, smaller sense in this movie, one thing, because I haven't seen Inferno and uh, Mother of Tears, I'm curious if uh, this director is intending to do those too. And what would you think about it? Like, do we, do you think um, Luca should do those? You know, personally, I'm more pro remake uh, than other people, just because I think the worst case scenario is it just if it sucks, it just draws more attention to the original. So I tend to not mm-hmm. be as harshly against uh, uh, those, uh, but I say go for it. Um, I'm I'm also quite a fan of Inferno uh, as a film, but I mean, like these are, I mean. Especially Suspiria and, and Infernal are very Argento e films. They they operate in their own uh, universe. They're they're not they're not going after the richer, deeper themes of this one. They're more about like set pieces and generating thrills and atmosphere and things like that. So I, I mean, I think there's some room for exploration in that. I mean, Inferno in particular is a very uh, I, we're going to see it soon, um, but it's it's particular. Um, I don't know, it's pretty uh, paper thin in certain ways on uh, on making sense and uh, even mm. some of the lore. So I don't think Argento is particularly interested in the same things that uh, Gattaguino is. Right. And then Mother of Tears. We don't talk about I, that. I, I, Never I happened. Right. And, and, and I, I think no one would, would be sad if there was a remake for that. No. no. Especially because it sounds like you could only fix it. I mean... I, to be honest, I enjoy Mother of Tears. It's not a good movie. 
Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's fair. Knowing, uh, having good Argento context and seeing it, I, I feel like I can enjoy it in a way that maybe people that approach it more blind cannot. Got it. I mean, and this movie feels like it's kind of setting itself up for it. Oh, uh, yeah. Although, yeah. I mean, they talk about the lore, they talk about uh, yeah. the houses and stuff. So, yeah. Yeah. Um,. What do you think about the twist in this movie? I liked it. Uh, I, I think that twist is good. Um, uh, I mean, I thought that uh, it worked quite well, too. I mean, I'm a fan of the finale, too. I think my three favorite scenes are those two dancing scenes we just talked about and then the conclusion. Uh, I think the uh, the atmosphere in the finale uh, and, like, the use of colors and some interesting uh, just, like, flashing uh, lights. I. I really liked mm-hmm. it. Uh, I think it worked well um, as a conclusion. Um, yeah, yeah. It's just too bad there was another 20 minutes afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> the epilogue? You just didn't like the epilogue? I mean, um, it was like eight acts. They, they could have cut, cut some stuff. What do you think about the act structure, though? Like, it, it almost made it to be a dance or a play. It was fine. I don't... I mean, fine. Call it whatever you want. Uh, I'll criticize the individual moments rather than the act structure. That's yeah. fair. That's fair. I mean, I, I would say that the weakest scene is probably the scene where um, uh, the doctor meets with uh, Sarah at, like, the cafe. But even then, though, I, I thought it added a little bit on the sense of, like, how hard it is to get Sarah out of, or get anyone out of that house, or out of that, uh, not house, it's building in this case, but out of the, uh, the school. True. Uh, because, like, I mean, the, he gives her the book, he explains everything, and Sarah is just like, no, no. And then she kind of walks away. I don't know. It's one of those things where I feel like, I, I liked. I also liked his dialogue with the police because the pol- the cops are like so useless. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. For me, those are scenes I just would have cut. Yeah. What about the co- uh, the uh, speaking of the cops? What do you think about the cops when the they go and investigate? I'm fine with that. I think that's kind of funny in a way. Yeah. <laughs> Were you expecting... I mean, I wasn't expecting them to show up naked while they're, like, poking at, at them with their meat hooks at their penis and laughing at them? <laughs> no. I mean, it's kind of interesting. <laughs> I mean, it's... it's but, this film has some comedy to it, for sure. Yeah. And but and it has a couple of, like, subtle, subtle moments where it also gives itself away, right? right? Like, so that scene is one where uh, Susie sees that and instead of telling Sarah or anything, she kind of laughs just like the witches are laughing. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think another thing I did enjoy about this movie, uh, since we talked about the, the witches and you get to see them, is also their politics. Yeah. Uh, I think that's one thing I enjoyed, uh, how, you know, there's kind of like the, the people who were for Meda, uh, Meda, uh, Mother Marcos and the other people who were uh, with Madame Blanc and how Susie or Mother Suspiria basically kills everyone who was with Madame with, with Marcos, and in the mo- and and it's all of them head exploding. I mean, this is the only scene where basically they're like, "All right, now we're gonna go all out." Yeah, everything is yeah. red. <laughs> yeah, uh, 
What was your question there? Uh, so, like, what do you think about the politics yourself? Oh, the politics, like, right. Uh, I thought I thought the politics were kind of fun to see. Uh, I'm always in favor yeah. of a, a little bit of witch democracy. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I actually don't... I kind of like the lore and the backstory between Marcos and Blanc. I think that's interesting. I think that's compelling in a way. Um, mm-hmm. I think it hit about the right note as far as diving too deep into the surface. Like, I don't... I didn't need, like... like uh, some like full electoral history of their past voting like I didn't know you to know how they voted in 1963 about witches or anything like that so I'm glad I didn't go too deep into that um, right but, uh, I, th- I thought it worked uh, pretty well and it kind of shows you uh, that um, I-, I-, I liked most of the behind the scenes witch type stuff and, and how it sort of like mm-hmm. humanizes them in a way that the original doesn't um, I personally also like the real life kind of behind the, uh, the scenes uh, events that are happening. So, I mean, not only this movie has like more realistic colors, but it's set in Germany in how we would imagine how Germany was in, in 1977. And Berlin, too. <laughs> and Berlin yeah. also, right. So, but you, you, I mean, we're in West Berlin. So, I mean, Germany itself, like the terrorist group was in all over Germany, not just Berlin. But Berlin was the capital right. of both East and West Berlin, East and West Germany. But I do like how you know you have this political stuff that's happening. You have uh, uh, these conversations. So you you there is the movie gives you a real out for everything that's happening, which grounds which basically makes the witches more real too because like. If it's like there is a real explanation of everything that's happening. All the women probably were uh, abducted or killed by the terrorist. Who knows? But they weren't. They're abducted by the witches. Yeah. And the witches live in this world. I, I don't know. I, this is something I I kind of liked about this movie. I like the use of uh, uh, the Berlin Wall, which is in the background almost everywhere. Mm-hmm. Well. I like this slightly more than the psychiatrist, but to be honest, I feel very similarly about this. I wish they either went further into it or they cut it. Mm. I so see. I just, I mean, it felt just very surface level. We're going to mention it, but we're not going to really dig deep enough to, to really fully explore it. So I just felt like mm. it wasn't, um, so I don't know. Uh, maybe they should have cut uh, cut the psychiatrist and added more of this stuff, but the psychiatrist is kind of this backstory too. And like sort of Germany's past history uh, uh, with Hitler right. and stuff. So I don't know. Maybe maybe for me it's just like the film tried to do a few too many things, and it had some some swings and, and hits, and things that were good, and but it also uh, didn't had some swings and misses too. Yeah, I mean you might be right. I think. Um, I mean, one could say that it doesn't explore it enough, or one can say that like it sort of starts a conversation and then lets you think about it more because i mean it's not like it makes uh a political statement no like the movie doesn't make the you know like those are to me those are the movies that annoy me when they make it clear a statement one-sided and then right once and then they you know ignore it for the rest of the time like here uh even though you for example the 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 germans past history right you don't like they mention it once 
in reality, right? They mention it as in, again, at the last 15 minutes uh, with uh, Susie basically telling him, you know, we, lo- we like guilt, we don't need yours, mm-hmm. you know, and that makes him forget stuff. But throughout the movie, you, you do get to bits and pieces of why he's guilty, right? Like, you know, he was a German citizen that allowed, I mean, whether or not it was his wife, you do have that, and, and even through his actions and events, you, you understand that it's not just his guilt, but probably the collective guilt of German people who were alive during Nazi Germany. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, yeah. And I don't know. I, I, I mean, th- those are things to, to, that you don't, I don't see, you don't see in many movies very often. Right. And they don't make the statement like straight up saying you should feel guilty, right? It's more of a, it happens and it's a collective feeling. Right. Um, I, I, I like that. I don't, I don't know. I like, I like thinking about that. Because I, I like, I personally like thinking about the collective feeling of a nation in general, right. whether it's Germany, the United States. I mean, there, there is something that sort of shapes how you are. And I mean, like, the doctors never have right. it. I mean, I, I agree. I think those things are interesting to explore. I mean, I think for me, it just comes down to like, I just didn't think the execution of those things or was was compelling enough. Because um, like I in a different movie where, where they uh, go more into it or in a different fashion, I think I'd be on board. Mm-hmm. I think I'd be on the same page with you. Uh, but uh, yeah, just so the wife, the wife. Didn't move you either, right? The the wife's appearance. No, no, I'm fine. I mean, it's nice to see Jessica Harper, uh, who played the original yeah. Susie Banyan, but uh, they should have just made her one of the the teachers. That's yeah. true, and it would have been even more. There would have been even a closer co- yeah. connection. I just didn't think it worked. I for mean, me. all right, that's fair. I I, I don't know. I, I liked it uh, again in disagreements. I liked it because it pulls those emotional strings that I have, and I don't mind those being pulled, uh, especially when they pull them, they pull them, they pull them, and then you have all the witches grabbing him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, it, it, adds, it gives you like the one jump scare that I enjoyed having. Yeah, yeah. No, I th- that, that's a cool scene. I mean, there's some cool scenes and some cool shots in there. Uh, yeah. Uh, and yeah, I mean, if there's only one theme, I mean. If there's only one thing that I might agree with you on, on them piling in too many themes into it, perhaps it would be a little bit on the, um, there is one, uh, or, sorry, scratch that. I agree that probably this director was trying to pile in too many themes in the, in, and you can tell because there are some one-liners that are not prominent, but that the the director put in to add an additional theme that would not be worth, or that they don't at all explore. And that would be, I guess, on believing women. On what? Believing women. Oh. Uh, So there's one line where they throw it, literally. So when they grabbed him, they're like, yeah. yeah, I cut that and I'm just like, a very tw- 2018 is, line. A little on the nose. 
a 2018 line, but also one that is really not explored at all. True. Like, true. Um, so I mean, however, that was literally one line uh-huh. out of this woman who were barraging, like who who were just insulting him altogether. So who cares? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um. Anyways, so what would you grade this movie? Um, For one out of ten. So I think this is a good film. Uh, I think it could have been a great film. I think if with a, a little bit more. Uh, so I give it a seven out of ten. Um, for me, I think the ideal form of this film uh, it keeps the core of it, which are the Blanc uh, and Susie interactions. Uh, you keep those dance sequences, and you cut a lot of that bloat um, to it. Um, that, in my opinion, uh, or at least it just doesn't work for me. Um, so yeah, uh, seven out of ten. Mm-hmm. That's where I'm coming in. What about yourself? I give it a uh, a solid eight, a little bit in the higher end of the eight, but okay. Eight. So you you like this film a little bit more than the original, right? Yeah, yeah definitely. Um, I mean, to me, interestingly enough, they both felt the same length, which is really? the, okay. The, which is the reason why, like, when I finished watching this movie, I was. If anything, I actually felt less tired than when I finished watching the other one. And I guess that's perhaps why I do like this movie. I I, I don't mind when watching a long movie if it feels short. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, that's because none of the fat bothered me. The fat I actually enjoy. I, 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 I will be eating up that fat, if you will. Yeah. Uh, well, if you rewatch this film, let us know what you think. Because uh, for me, uh, the fat of it just kind of stunk in my mouth a bit more the second time around mm. yeah maybe uh, I mean those definitely the most memorable scenes I mean we both agree and the most enjoyable are the dance scenes the kills and and, and the and the official ending you know yeah the finale uh, the the, the yeah, finale the real mother uh, superiorum comes uh, comes to power and, and the acting. I mean, this movie definitely it, takes advantage of their actors. Yeah. And uses yeah, them I well. Um, I, I guess one last thing on the cinematography that I might point out is that there is a, there is a bunch of homage to the original in a very subdued way. So if you look at the floor, uh, the floor design of the school, even though the school looks nothing like uh, the, uh, the previous one, you look at the floor design and it also plays with those uh, geometric figures and colors. They're just more muted. Um, I like that. No, I agree. Because I think the, it did a great job with the, the set design and the, uh, the uh, muted colors. And I mean, you talk about it, you call your movie fucking Spirium you're going to invite those comparisons. So uh, the fact that it can hold up and like, uh, personally, I still pick the original in terms of set design and those things. But the fact that it even holds up uh, is impressive. Like really mm-hmm. impressive. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, I, I hope this, I, I hope this guy uh, remakes the other two movies. So then uh, we'll get to watch both the original and the remakes. We'll see. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> I, I I don't think I don't think it's gonna happen because uh, this movie did not do well. No, it did. 
yeah, in the box office. Money. Right. It lost money. Um, and then in the rating, I mean, it got 65%, which, again, for a horror movie... Respectable. Is, yeah, unfortunately, horror movies don't do well with ratings, yeah. uh, which is a shame because... I mean, I'm sure if um, uh, the original, if like 1977 Susbury came out now, it would also be hovering around like a 65 or something. Right. And uh, yeah, it's just kind of, I don't know. It's one thing that annoys me about critics. Um, right. Well, check the MDB rating. That's a user rating. So you can uh, get some user input rather than the... the... Right, but with the, I mean... Well, well, that's what the interesting part, though. Like, like uh, when it comes to other movies, other horrors in general, like the slow horrors, usually you get the divide between critics and uh, and viewers, where critics rate it high, viewers rate it low. You know, like The Witch. No, not The Witch. Yeah, no, The Witch is not so slow, but like... No, I, 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 I think The Witch would fit there. I, I, <laughs> I agree yeah. with your original assessment. Right, like high, low. Um, there's a couple of other ones. And then... So this one was kind of a surprise because this would be one of those movies that takes its its time to let you soak in or not the theme. Yeah, I don't know if this is a horror movie for horror buffs. I think it, it could, it could be. be, but it, it does require more patience. This is like, I, I don't like the term, but I mean, this is probably, this is an ambitious horror movie. Some people might call it elevated. I will not use that term. <laughs> I I think, yeah, I don't know. I think this movie is underrated. Um, I think, I don't know, as someone who enjoys horror, I, I, I don't call myself a horror buff per se, but I enjoy horror. I put this pretty high up. Yeah, I, I, I think it's a good movie, yeah. Yeah. Um, well, so I think I've touched in all the... Uh, comparisons actually so originally i was planning to do a comparison section yeah i know i think we covered that pretty good yeah um who do you think won uh i'm gonna go uh tilda swinton all right yeah. all right um yeah yeah tilda swinton. She's, just, she's just really good uh and the fact that dakota johnson could uh take those punches from her go toe to toe I think speaks really well of her but I think it's hands down Tilda Swinton yeah yeah I agree with that that's a pretty good assessment um well James so what do you have for us we will be staying in this world of the occult and the witches going to New York City for Inferno excellent and what's uh, uh, do we get any of the Times Square scenes? No, no Times Square. Excellent. Scenes. So yeah, so they they save up money on that. That's yeah. good. I mean, it was probably mainly filmed in sound studios in Rome, but yeah, still. <laughs> or Spain if it was cheaper. Uh, yeah, possibly. Um, I think in general they had some uh, regulation rules where they had to film a certain amount of it in uh, Italy. But yes, oh, we'll, really? we'll talk about that later. <laughs> Okay, okay. I mean, well, then, like, nowadays, most movies are filmed in Vancouver, That's right? That's true, yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm pretty sure Suspiria 2018 was filmed in Vancouver. Which is probably why it reminded you so much of yeah, Seattle. <laughs> they just they just went to Berlin for two days, got the exterior shots, and 
went to Vancouver, British Columbia. So they can get all their rain sound effects. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, it could be Vancouver, Washington. Who knows? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know. Uh, nothing against Vancouver, Washington. Yeah. You guys get to enjoy uh, zero income tax and zero sales tax. Sure. Yeah. I mean, and we also have uh, up here, we have Dakota Johnson, Seattle legend. She oh, is. 50 Shades of Grey. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, um, 50 Shades set in Seattle. I know. That was my point. All right, right, right. <laughs> okay. Fair. Fair well, we've been going on Fair too long. I think, we, I think we had our first over two-hour podcast. Okay. Yeah. Maybe. All right. Well, thank you so much for listening. Uh, if you have any movie ideas that you want us to watch, write us at... Uh, ZAFilmToFilm at gmail.com. Or tweet us at... Uh, ZAFilmToFilm. Excellent. And hit that subscribe. I like Give us it. a five-star review. Exactly. On, uh, I mean, there's no bell, but, you know. If there is a bell, Talk, if you have a bell in your room, hit it. Actually, you know what? If, if you like this podcast, tell, and, you know, you have friends who like movies, tell them. Tell your mom. Yeah. Get your mom to tell listen. Tell your mom. Tell your, tell your kids, uh, you know. I mean, our language is not great, but uh, tell them anyways. <laughs> <laughs> tell your friends, tell your mom, tell your kids. Like, or, or again, tweet us any uh, suggestions, email us. And uh, we'll be coming back to you with Inferno. Yep. All right. See you guys next time. See you guys next time.